Hello, everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's show, myself and Jordan Angeli break down Austin FC. How does Josh Wolf's Austin team want to play? And what did they show against LAFC in their MLS opener? Let's get to know the new kids on the block, shall we? Jordan, we had a new team enter Major League Soccer over the weekend. Well, it didn't enter over the weekend, but you get the idea. We saw their first <laughs> game in Major League Soccer play. Josh Wolf's Austin team is here, and, and we're going to talk about what they do on the field and what they did tactically against LAFC. But first, Jordan, man, I know you and I are both just so excited to have actual games to talk about again. It has been a while. Yeah, it has. And you know what I like is before the start of the games and we were doing our very specific predictions and um, we were hearing banter from people and about our choices. And now we really get to see if our, <laughs> if what we've been um, talking about all off season comes to fruition or doesn't. And I think that that's kind of the best part is uh, these teams and how they're going to set up is going to be different, maybe week to week or different even than what we thought. So I, I'm excited for this episode, Joe, to dive into who Austin FC is because we got to watch them play soccer. We did, and my very specific prediction, because I had Austin, is not looking good after week one. There's time. There's time. Big, gigantic grain of salt for everything that we say in this episode. It's week one, people. We're not trying to overreact. Yeah. We're just trying to inform, I guess, as best as we can. But my very specific prediction for Austin FC was that Nick Lima would invert more than any other right back in the Western Conference. Mm. And he inverted exactly zero one. times against LAFC. Oh, for one. <laughs> There's time, Jordan. I'm counting on that uh, inverting push later on in the year. We want I want to start out this show not as much by talking about Austin's 2 nothing loss to LAFC, but more talking about what this team is and how they played stylistically. Because I think we saw mm -hmm. the building blocks of trends that could continue over the entire season. And for me, as, uh, as someone who enjoys watching Major League Soccer, when a new team comes in, I want to learn about what they play, how they play. I want to learn about what they do so that when they play other teams across the league, Eastern Conference, Western Conference, whatever... I have an idea of what to expect. And so that's kind of what you and I are trying right. to do today. So Jordan, I'm going to flip it to you first. This is a general question, but we'll okay. go back and forth. What's one thing that you think we learned about how Austin approach soccer or, or in terms of their principles or whatever it is from week one against LAFC? The biggest thing I noticed, they're going to play out of the back. Yep. I think that was one of the biggest principles that was pretty much um, throughout the game, even if it didn't go successfully, I, I think that this is a team that is willing to play out of the back. And I should, I probably should start with maybe just how they set up, Joe. Sure. Yeah. Because I, I felt like, um, they were listed on, in, in all of the, I don't know, stats, programs, whatever you want sure, to call it, yeah. the, the info that we see online in a 4-3-3. And, I think that they set up like that. I think in the first half, they really built out of a 4-2-3-1. Personally, that's what I saw. In the second half, I think they built out of a 4-3-3 more. And it, it, the way that I noticed that is it was two holding midfielders, Ring and Pereira, who were trying to help the build up in the first half. And then in the second half, Pereira actually pushed a little bit higher as more of an eight and left ring as that lonesome six. And so that little shift uh, changed the the way that they were building out. And, but either way, they were very determined and I would say aggressive in their building out of the back, which I really appreciated. Oh, absolutely. Especially against 
one of the most aggressive pressing teams in Major League Soccer. We don't often talk about that with LAFC, but they press a lot. They press more than almost any other team, and that's including the New York Red Bulls. They press mm-hmm. a ton out of that 4-3-3. And so, yeah, Austin said, okay, we know what Bob Bradley's team is going to do. We don't care. We're going to play out even against that pressure. And it didn't always work. I totally agree with your analysis right. of the shape. I, I definitely saw that 4-2-3-1 with Pereira and Ring flanking Danny Musovsky mm-hmm. as that number nine for LAFC. And and they kind of forced LAFC's central midfielders into an impossible choice. Do do we want Latif Blessing and Mark Anthony K to step high and leave the fullbacks exposed? Because the, the central midfielders for LAFC are often responsible for closing down the fullbacks of the opposing team in their press. They just forced LAFC into a really tough choice in that regard with those number yeah. eights. But they built out against one of the most aggressive teams in Major League Soccer. That's impressive. And that's why I think we can take some more long-standing conclusions from this game instead of maybe if it's just – if it's a team like Houston or a team like Nashville – and I'm just picking random teams mm-hmm. here – but teams like that that don't always press as aggressively or as intensely, we could say, oh, wow, Austin built out. That's not as impressive and maybe it's yeah. maybe it's not as wise for Austin to be building out in a situation like this, but that's a whole another conversation. Build up for Josh Wolf's team was huge in this game. Yeah, I I would actually say that I I think taking the risks in this type of game when you're under the highest pressure, maybe that you'll face in Major League Soccer, at least right off the bat. I don't know if you could pick a, a tougher team to play against that high presses. I think that it's it shows a lot of courage to say, okay, we're going to still play out of the back. And if we make mistakes, then early in the season, we're able to adapt to that and and understand when's the right time to play out and when's not. So I think it, it was pretty courageous from this Austin team. So um, that's my first principle that I noticed. Joe, I'm going to throw it to you for maybe another principle that you noticed about this Austin FC team. Jordan, I want to shift us from my principle to the other side of the ball and look at how Austin defended in this game. Mm-hmm. It was almost like Austin watched a bunch of LAFC footage and then just did that or watched a bunch of, of U.S. men's national team footage. I thought there were real tangible similarities between Austin's 4-3-3 because defensively, I think they did show that shape. I think there were real similarities yes. between the way Austin defended and impressed, maybe not as much as LAFC did, but the way they defended impressed compared to how Bob Bradley's team does it, or compared to how Greg Berhalter's U.S. Men's National Team does it. It was a 4-3-3. There, I think one of their specific mm-hmm. goals for this game was to deny Atuesta time on the ball, and they used Danny Houston a lot uh, yeah. to try to, to <laughs> shift in front of him. But even just looking at this at a macro level, they're not afraid to step high. They're not afraid to press right. you, and they're not afraid... Well, really, their goal out of that press is to clog the midfield, and we really saw that, I think, against LAFC. It's interesting that you noted those two teams. When I was watching them defend, the first thought that I had in their defensive shape was the U.S. women's national team, actually, because mm-hmm. I think they defend in that 4-3-3 with the flat three midfield, because a lot of the times that three, those three midfielders are flat across, yeah. which can, can work to clog up the midfield, like you said. But also, if you're not together and if you're not reading the play correctly and cutting off the right, right angles, I do think that that space between the back line and the midfield line, if you don't protect that, you can get demolished in that space. And there were times where I felt like that flat three for Austin didn't, weren't quite together enough. And those slip balls LAFC was able to establish into that space between the two lines. This is maybe the most obvious statement ever, but Alex Ring is going to be so important to this team. 
There oh were a couple gosh, of moments. Right? There were a couple of moments in this game, Jordan, where LAFC had bypassed the press. And this could be in, in counter-pressing moments. This could be in just straight-up pressing moments. This could even be in their defensive block. Because even if you try to take Atuesta out of the game, you really can't take Atuesta out of the game. No. And even if you do, somehow, by some miracle, Mark Anthony K is going to slot back and, and still break lines. So in whatever the defensive moment was for Austin, there were a couple of sequences where Alex Ring was the last midfielder left and he made that tackle. He made that challenge to stop LAFC from progressing to win the ball for Austin and then to allow them to, to recycle possession and play from there. Alex Ring as the, the central flat midfielder. That's a really interesting way to think about it. I hadn't thought about that midfield line of three being flat because sometimes it is a very shallow V, but other times you're right. It is flat so that they can cover yeah. the most amount of horizontal ground. When Alex Ring is that number six, you can play that way. When you have Danny Pereira and, and Thomas Pacchettino to a lesser extent, you can play that way, but Alex Ring without him, I'm not really sure Austin could go out there and defend as effectively. In, in that 4-3-3 mm -hmm. shape. I think they will continue to use that shape regardless of the midfield personnel. But Alex Ring really makes that thing work. You know what I, that I, I noticed about Alex Ring as well is when you have a new team and you're trying to establish ideas, you do need a leader on the field vocally or just the presence there. And I don't know if you noticed this, Joe, but there were times in the buildup where Alex Ring is just pointing, play the ball here, play the ball here, play the ball here, play the ball there. It reminds me a lot of back in the day, uh, I remember going and watching Sasha Kleshton play for New York Red Bulls. And he was the same way. He was just pointing to say, okay, this is where we want to build up. And that that leadership on the field, because we also saw him come over a few times and talk to Josh Wolf. That connection between the two, you can tell that there is an established trust with them already. I think that that's going to be really key for Austin because, and we'll see as the, the season uh, kind of wears on, if that's still, if you still see him pointing or if then it just becomes everybody on the field kind of sees what Alex Ring sees because he does read the game differently on the ball and off the ball than than some of these other players. And that's such a fascinating thing to me, how, especially looking at a new team, but I guess this applies to any team, how you come into a season with a new coach, and there are eight teams, essentially, if you count the Red Bulls, with a new head coach this season in Major League Soccer. That's almost 30% of the teams in MLS. There's a whole bunch of teams wow. this year with new coaches. How does one person's tactical philosophy or one person's vision of the game then flow out from that person and and, and sweep up all Mold the people that, that actually need to understand that vision. You need a player like Alex Ring. You need a player. I think for the Red Bull, Sean Davis is one of those players. He started as a number... Mm -hmm. I'm getting off topic here. But he started as a number eight and then shifted back to the number six for Gerhard Struber this weekend. And and he's played in a similar system for a long time. You need players who understand the vision and can then communicate that vision. I think Lissandro Lopez has almost been that guy for Atlanta at times this season. You'll see him coming over and talking with Hinze. Maybe they're just talking about, I don't know, Argentinian culture. I, who knows? But you see <laughs> you see these guys take up the mantle and, and see what their, their manager sees. Ring, I love how you pointed that out. I think he's very important for Austin's general overall ability to understand what Josh Wolf's vision is. Yeah, absolutely. On the defensive side of things, can I talk about something else? Oh, please. Yeah. Okay. Set pieces. Did you notice how they <laughs> defended on corner kicks? Honestly, no. And I'm glad you did. So inform no. me. They go full zone, Joe. Hmm. Full zone. Like four. I, I think it was, it was four across the six and then three above them about the 12, which 
we've we see typically I would say we see a mixture of zone and man marking in Major League yeah. Soccer. Yeah. I played a lot of zone in college, which I appreciated the zone, but you have to have certain personality types in those positions in order to be successful in a full zone. Because if you're not willing to take responsibility every single time for your space and winning the ball in your space, you have to win it every time. I think it gets a little, it, it can get, Interesting. And I, I feel like against teams, say, I, I was going to say Philadelphia because I feel like Philadelphia was very good off of corner kicks this, this weekend. But I don't think Austin's playing Philadelphia, but a team like <laughs> Philadelphia where, where, where they're very good on set pieces, on corner kicks. I think that they're going to, there's potential for them to be exploited in that zone setup on corner kicks. So I just thought that was an interesting way to set up. And maybe, maybe it was specific to this game. We don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, maybe, right? And that's the asterisk for kind of all of this. I don't think, I don't think we'll need an asterisk for all of it, but we'll probably need it for some of it. I want to look at the, mm-hmm. the other side because I think that's interesting for the defensive set piece. I did note one thing offensively for Austin set pieces. They had a really, really creative set piece around the 20th minute of this game. Uh, they, they combined a little bit. They took it short, I believe, and then tried to thread a runner in behind the back line on the right side. LAFC cut it oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think that's notable, right? Because we don't see a lot of teams in Major League Soccer. Maybe I just miss it because I'm not always the best at analyzing set pieces. I'm kind of like, let's get back to the to the action here. Come on, let's move this along. But I, I think that's notable, right? That we see Austin try to be creative with their set pieces. And maybe that is a one-off thing trying to capitalize on weakness in LAFC. We don't know. But I think that's mm-hmm. worth filing away in the back of our minds. Do they try another creative short, then we're going to play the ball low on the floor in behind the wall or in behind the back line kind of movement from a dead play, from a from a dead ball? Or or is that a one-off? Who knows? But I, I think that's interesting yeah. to file away. Any more principles that you want to talk about before we talk about some specifics as to what we saw maybe that they adjusted to within this game against LAFC? I don't think I have any more principles. We kind of covered it, right? We covered the buildup. We covered how they tried to move the ball into the attacking half. Then defensively, we talked about how they defend in that 4-3-3. Sometimes they press, sometimes it's a little deeper, but we talked about kind of the positioning in there. Looking at how they approach this game. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. Can I make one more point? When they were, I do feel like uh, when they were building out in the first half, the the wingers were really wide. Hmm. Both of the wingers and Dominguez and Redes were really wide. And I think that that is an important note because I don't think that was true throughout the entire game. Fair. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, what just happened? Can you hear the train? I I heard. I thought it was bells. It is. It is <laughs> bells. It's the train. So nice, um, that nice. just is signaling us to the next part of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Jordan, looking at specific tactics from this game, we talked about already how Austin changed their build-up structure from that 4-2-3-1 into more of a 4-3-3. We talked about the press. I almost think maybe a better way to look at how Austin tried to take down LAFC is to look at individual performers that we thought were were good or maybe were not so good and maybe use those performances to talk about how those players performed in this game. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I just would say one thing before we go into that. I I want to just know against LAFC, one of the ways that they're so dangerous is on the counter and in space behind. And I feel like Austin did a very good job of keeping the play in front of them for the most part. That they didn't, I mean, yes, for most of the game, LAFC was without Vela and the whole game they were out without Rossi, who can 
stretch the back line a little bit more. But I do think they did a good job of not allowing LAFC to get in that space in behind their back line, which I think was part of their tactics in this. Just keep everything in front, drop back, let make them play in front of us. Well, and, and when you play an aggressive line and when you press, you kind of have to play a high line. And when you have... When you have that back four up higher up the field, you need to limit that space in behind because that's where all the giant red arrows are pointing to. If you're LAFC or if you're the offensive team, you're trying to break into that space. Austin with that, that flat midfield with ring conducting things defensively, they have to deny mm-hmm. that space. I think that's something we'll see mm-hmm. or that's a goal that we'll see from them in every single game where they high press this season because you can't, you really just can't allow them to break into that space. And we saw that eventually. On especially yeah. LAFC's second goal, as Austin push everything forward, they're trying to get at least a point. They're just down one nothing at this point. They're trying to get a point, throwing numbers into the attack, and then you leave space in behind. And and Danny Pereira and I think yeah. Matt Matt Beasler was the other one who couldn't combine to stop that attack from Apoku, and and then things go things go from there. But no, I think that's that's good to know. Another idea of how Austin approached this game, and I think that even applies to other areas. Jordan, looking at performers in this game. I want to start with one player who we texted back and forth about a little bit and maybe had some slight disagreements on. It's Danny Pereira, the number one super draft Mm -hmm. pick from this past draft class. He does get the start in midfield with Pochettino and with Alex Ring. And I thought he did a lot of things well. And I'm not sure that you necessarily disagree with that. But I think I had a much more positive outlook on his game than you did. So I rewatched the second half and I do believe that the things that I noticed about Pereira that I was a little concerned about was just his structure in the midfield and his defensive shape. I felt like some of the times he would make the midfield get out of sorts when he would get pulled to pressure the back line for LAFC. Hmm. So it's an engagement that LAFC want to do when when they were in that when Austin's in that flat three, somebody dribbles centrally and midfielder steps to press them. And if that's not the right move, I felt like LAFC could break the line that I was talking about earlier really quickly and find that space in behind the midfield line. With the ball, I I think, and especially in the second half, with that adjustment in the shape in the midfield, I think Pereira did some good things, and I, I would agree with you. Um, what did you like particularly about the way he played and what he added to this? Yeah, I think I think I was focused on his work in possession, I thought positioning, yeah. positioning wise, it was really interesting how he dropped in and, and helped relieve pressure for Austin FC. And I thought he did that role actually really well. He wasn't perfect in this game mm-hmm. by any stretch. He turned the ball over a right. couple of times in bad spots. He looked like a young player getting their first MLS start, but the, the skill he showed on the ball to be able to glide through a defensive line, to be able to glide through a midfield line and break, break Austin out of pressure to, to deal with pressure on his back as well at times. I thought all of those things were really good. Jordan, I don't disagree with you with some of his positioning. And I think that's that's maybe the next evolution for Danny Pereira, in addition to yeah. finding the right spots to try to dribble out of pressure, finding the right spots to to just bounce the ball back and have that be a wall pass and not have to take everything on himself. I think offensively, those are things he can work on. And then spatially, the, the positioning that you're talking about, staying connected to his midfield. Although maybe, maybe, and we don't know, maybe it was a specific tactic for Pereira to be stepping higher up the field and pressuring yeah. and then almost shifting Austin into more of a 4-2-4. We don't really know, but I think staying connected to midfield or to the forward line and staying compact, those are things that are important. And maybe Pereira kind of broke some of that compactness for Austin. 
I was, you know, when you take the full scope of things and you look at who he is coming in, high draft pick, a lot of hype about him. I do think that this, if you over, if you look at his overall performance, he's going to look back and say, that's a good building block. That's a really good start. And hopefully there's more to come. And, uh, you know, we talked about this with, ring next to him good place to build and to learn and somebody to glean information from one thing i should note too i thought was interesting in the build-up for austin they don't bring their holding midfielder at all into the back line to or they didn't in this game to try to build out and that's something you and i talk about with a lot of teams that play in a 4-2-3-1 in the first half that's really how austin we're building out of it was It was those two holding midfielders trying to engage the press and then open up that weak side, but not through dropping between the two center backs or even dropping out wide of the center backs and pushing the outside backs forward. So I don't know if that's always going to happen. I don't think it is, but I think for this game, it really worked and it allowed Austin to have more numbers centrally to play out of and through. Yeah, I bet we see Austin have, I, I bet we see Austin drop ring into the back line or next to the center backs yeah. against a team that defends in a 4-4-2. So file, file that away. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That's another yes. mini, very right. specific prediction from, I think Jordan and I are both co-signing that one, but we'll see. We'll see if we're right <laughs> or wrong as Austin continue this season. Jordan, a player I want to talk about because we talked about ring. We've talked about Pereira. I want to talk about Cecilio Dominguez, designated player out on the left wing. You know, you, you mentioned how he was really wide in that first half, maybe less so in the second half. This is not a trick question. The question I'm about to ask you, but. Did you see Cecilio Dominguez do much of anything in possession in this game? That pause was purposeful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, no, no, I didn't. But I do think I, I think it was a hard game to judge that. Yes. And that is my point, because when Austin okay. had the ball, we talked about they did all these cool things in build up that we both really enjoyed. Then they moved the ball into the attacking half and we just kind of left it there. We didn't talk about what mm-hmm. they did in the attacking half, and, and maybe that was a bad idea on my part, but that was kind of purposeful because looking at a player like Cecilio Dominguez, you could even apply this to Rodney Red as out on the right wing. They didn't yep. have much to do, and that's because I think, Jordan, Austin didn't have a real identifiable structure in the final third. They didn't have a concrete idea of how they wanted to break LAFC down when they advanced the ball that far. When, when LAFC was able to pack numbers behind the ball, it looked to me as if Austin lacked an ability to break them down. Maybe, maybe they didn't always lack ideas, but they lacked the the connectivity within themselves to actually play through their designated players, to play through Pochettino and and Cecilio Dominguez on the left side and create something in the final third. I don't think Dominguez did much in this game, but I think that's more to do with Austin's rough structure and, and rough play in mm-hmm. the final third than it was with his own individual faults. So I... I noted that. And one of the things I thought that Austin did when they made their substitutes is they inverted their wingers. Hmm. So it was Strood and um for a while it was Dominguez. And then he gets replaced towards the end. But both of those players um with Gallagher on the field, they all, those three played very narrow for 20 minutes. And the last 20 minutes of the game were the best 20 minutes offensively for Austin, I thought. And really the last 15 of the first half and the last 20 of the second half, which makes me to think two things. LAFC isn't fit enough yet to play the pressing style that they want to play, which will come as the season progresses because both of those are at the, the end of those halves. 
But for Austin, they're finding their groove and they're solving problems as the game progresses, which is a good thing if you're Josh Wolf, if you're this squad, knowing that you can adapt and, and find ways to get after the team. So I do think that those final changes with Shrewd coming in, coming and playing a little bit more narrow, and when Dominguez played a little bit more, more narrow, there were more numbers in a difficult area of the field when you're playing LAFC. They have so many numbers centrally. That then it allowed for Austin to connect out of the buildup centrally and push Lima and then Kalmanich up and get them into positions where they could cross the ball. Mm. And maybe not the most effective crosses from Lima, but then with the narrow front runners, there's more players in the box. You're getting that service from an outside back and more opportunities to score. So I liked that adjustment from Austin in the, the later stages of the game. And part of me wonders, is that just a late game adjustment is that something we'll see again but maybe be. not from from opening kickoff maybe that's a last 30 minutes last 20 minutes i mean we saw the galaxy mm-hmm. switch to a 4-4-2 bringing on ethan zubak to play next to chicharito because they just weren't creating enough chances with greg vanny's plan a we saw them shift to a plan b i think i think that might be what we see from josh wolf or what we saw from josh wolf with that plan b although maybe if a plan b becomes good enough it's a plan a at a certain point i don't know when i don't yeah. know where that distinction <laughs> is but there is one there Jordan, really the last player that I want to bring up, and then I'll, I'll flip it to you if you have any others, or, or we can just call it there, Brad Stuver. I didn't know who was going to start in Loved goal it. for Austin Me FC. Either. It could have been Tarbell, it could have been Andrew Tarbell, or it could have been Brad Stuver. I thought Stuver was absolutely phenomenal in this game with his feet. He allowed yeah. Austin to do those pretty build-up sequences we talked about. He allowed them to switch the ball horizontally and break LAFC's narrow 4-3-3 press with those wingers tucked inside. He was the linchpin. As, as far back as you can go, he was the linchpin shifting LA, uh, shifting Austin's buildup from side to side and allowing them to play out and play the way Josh Wolf wanted them to. Mm-hmm. I thought he was so, so good in goal for Austin FC. Yeah, he, I, I would agree with that. There was a ball in late in the first half where he gets it and he pings it like one first time from his, with his right foot to the left side of the field. And it was a perfect ball to Ben Sweat. It was just perfection. And to, and there was a time in this, the second half where he's under pressure from LAFC and he's still passing out of that. I, I thought that it was interesting, um, coming to this game, not knowing who was going to play and you understood why why he got the start once you saw his ability to help the team build out. And it's such a small sample size, but I don't think there are many goalkeepers who could do what Brad Stuver did in this game for Austin against a really aggressive high press, shifting that that build up side to side. I don't know that there are many MLS goalkeepers that can handle that type of pressure and that can distribute that reliably with their feet. I'm curious to see more of Brad Stuver because he hasn't really gotten a ton of run as a number one goalkeeper in Major League Soccer over the course of his career. This could be his first real season to be the regular guy in the goal. And I am now suddenly really curious to see more of him with his feet because I, I honestly had no idea what to expect coming into this game. Yeah, I like it. And I feel like that was a pretty thorough breakdown of at least this first game, at least what we saw of Austin in this first game, because we know that that's a small sample size, Joe, yes. but... I like the the overall breakdown. I like some of the specific things that we saw catered to maybe LAFC and some of the players that caught our eye here in the first 90 minutes that we got to watch them play. 
Yeah, and, and we don't know if Austin FC is going to be a good team. They could lose every single game this year. Is that likely? No. I think they are going to win a good number of games out West this season. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how this season is going to turn out. But I think we did see some good building blocks tactically from Josh Wolf. The fact that they looked – I tweeted this. The fact that they looked tactically coherent and aggressive – made them a lot mm-hmm. of fun to watch, a lot of fun for us to break down. We'll get to more MLS teams over the course of the season, but it felt right to try to introduce everyone to what Austin FC is trying to do on the field in Major League Soccer because, Jordan, we just never gotten a chance to see that before. Yeah. Well, we're we're here, Joe. We're here now. 26 season MLS soccer. I love it. I love it too. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Listeners, thank you all so much for listening, and we will be back again very soon. Mm-hmm.